0: Welcome to C is for Creepy. My name is Elise. And my name's Courtney. Join us every week as we discuss our favorite true crime and paranormal stories from A
1: to Z. Hey guys, welcome back to C is for Creepy.
0: Thank you so much for tuning in to our third episode.
1: Yeah, so this week we're going to be covering C cases, but I think first, Courtney wanted to do a little shout out.
0: Yes, so we got some of the numbers and we're so excited to see that we have listeners in the United States and in Belgium. Like, that is... Wicked so, Woo, go Belgium. Yeah, go Belgium, go the States. And thank you to everyone in Canada that listened. It's so great to see all of the support.
1: It's wonderful. I'm actually over the moon over the amount of support we've been
0: getting. Yeah, it's great. So once again, thank you guys so much. Go Belgium, go the States. You guys are great. Also go Canada. Also go Canada. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. So yeah, we're going to be talking uh, sea cases today or stories, I guess. Um, This week, I'm pairing C with cold case. So, a cold case is a crime or a suspected crime that has not yet been fully resolved and is not the subject of current criminal investigation, but for which new information could emerge from new witness testimony, re-examined archives, new or retained material evidence, Or fresh activities of a suspect and I will admit I just ripped that from Wikipedia (laughs) okay so advances in DNA testing has helped close a number of cases criminal cases labeled as cold can be so for a few different reasons crimes that don't generally have a statute of limitations but remain unsolved could be considered cold cases where a suspect has been tried and not convicted will leave the case open as well. So, here's a fun little Canadian fact. In Canada, it is not a crime for adults to go missing. You can just disappear.
0: That's interesting.
1: Yeah, I was a little surprised when I heard that. But
0: you would think that it would be. Because of all the manpower that, like, would go behind, say, a search party for you. Like, if you just disappeared and didn't tell anybody... I know I would be panicked and I would be like, hey, let's go look for her. Let's make sure, you know, like, let's make sure she's not dead in a ditch somewhere. So you would think that there would be some repercussions from that aspect.
1: I totally get that. But like, there's also victims of domestic violence trying to escape abusers. And if their abuser reports them missing, maybe that person doesn't want to be found. And there should be no like nothing wrong with needing to escape a situation like that oh totally yeah so i i just thought that that was an interesting fact i didn't realize that that was a thing um well i guess how can they prosecute you for going missing yeah like (laughs) you you should just be able to up and live your life it's no big deal i guess yeah (laughs) yeah so there's also no waiting period to report somebody missing. So there's lots of people that are like, you got to wait 48 hours, 72 hours. No, if there's something not right, you can report them as soon as you want. Like hmm. if somebody's like shows up to work every day at nine o'clock and one day they don't show up, report them. Hmm. Like, uh, like, you yeah. know, within reason, but still. <laughs> That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. You also don't have to be a relative to report somebody missing. I did know that. Okay. So, like I said, if your friend or co-worker vanishes without reasonable explanation, a report can be made. Well, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, you don't have to just wait for family. Okay, so I am covering the Highway of Tears today. I had heard a lot about it growing up, but until I started doing research for today's episode, I really didn't know how sinister this highway really was. This is the Highway to Alaska. No, uh, well, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you all about it. Okay. Cap. So I would also like to preface this case that the Highway of Tears has over 40 victims, um, including bodies being discovered or people going missing while near this highway. Given the amount of time that we have to record, I'm not going to cover every single case, but there is quite a few. I'm just going to be covering a specific time frame And, like, certain, like, very specific cases. Okay. Okay. Given, like, saying that, though, it definitely does not take away from the people that I'm not covering. They are out there. And, like, I just don't want their deaths not to be acknowledged as well. So. Yeah, that totally makes sense. So, for people who do not know, the Highway of Tears is a stretch of Highway 16 that runs from prince george british columbia to prince rupert british columbia it is a 725 kilometer corridor where many missing and murdered mostly indigenous women's remains have been discovered starting in 1969
0: this is such a terrifying road like yeah. every time you go on a road trip it's it's there
1: mm-hmm. yeah
0: oh okay hit me
1: So the name Highway of Tears was coined by Florence Nazil during a vigil held in Terrace, B.C. in 1989. The small reservations of northern B.C. are isolated and offer minimal economic growth, with unemployment rates being at 92% in some communities. Lack of funding is detrimental to the way people in these communities are able to get around, with lack of transportation forcing many people to have to rely on hitchhiking. No. Yes. There's also insufficient like cell reception or telecommunication lines in the area. So like it's a very isolated part of Canada.
0: Well, you're in the middle of nowhere. You're, yeah. You have forests yeah. for kilometers mm-hmm. with nothing but one road going in or out.
1: Yeah. No or like if there is a, another road, it's a logging road, it's not paved it's it's isolated, yeah, so it's scary. it is well, and that's another reason why this has been like a very prime dumping ground is because of how remote how like there's so many different back roads that people could just come off of, and that's one of the reasons why people think that this particular stretch has been so notorious. It's a terrifying thought it is
0: honestly, this road is what made me not that I would, but it made me always afraid of like other people driving like hitchhiking mm. like no mm-hmm. no nope. Nope. well, that in criminal minds
1: <laughs> fair, fair <laughs> A huge lack of trust in RCMP or Royal Canadian Mounted Police and other just others in the justice system. This lack of trust stems from consistent abuse and neglect towards the indigenous people that makes gathering evidence difficult as well. Like, if your police force isn't helping and people don't feel like they can trust them, it's a vicious cycle whether it's not being reported or it's not being investigated. So, yeah,
0: with years of the racism, it's Mm
1: -hmm. no, it's just an awful cycle that the system now has. It's oh. awful.
0: I, it, I agree.
1: Yeah. British Columbia has some of the highest rates of unsolved murders of Indigenous women in Canada. And it should be noted that in 2015, the total number of missing and murdered Indigenous women in Canada was over 1,200. And that's in 2015. That's the most recent statistic I could find. Seven years ago. Yes. Yes. Yikes. Yep. So I'm going to go over some of the victims now. On October 25th, 1969, Gloria Moody was last seen leaving a bar in Williams Lake, British Columbia. Gloria was 27 years old and a mother of two. She had been traveling with her brother. Her body was found the next day after going missing. Aww. There was evidence she had been sexually assaulted and battered. She died from blood loss from the wounds she had sustained. No. Yeah. It, it just goes on. There's so many people on this list. So are we thinking a serial killer? We'll get to it. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll bring it up again. So Micheline Perret was 18 years old and she was from Quebec. She was last seen walking along the Fort St. John and Hudson Hope portion of the highway in british columbia Mm -hmm. her body was found august 8th 1970 near hudson Hope. she had been sexually assaulted and beaten to death with a blunt weapon which is my least favorite way to think about like murders blunt force trauma to the head no
0: yeah Yeah.
1: gail lewais was last seen hitchhiking in october 1973 she was 19 years old. Her remains were found in a ditch on Highway 5, discovered April 1974. She wasn't found until spring? Yeah. Oh, that... that's, that's a recurring pattern where, like, people that's go so missing. That's so sad. Pamela Darlington was 19 years old, living in Kamloops, B.C. when she was found murdered in a park, based down in the Thompson River in 1973 of November.
0: I think i need more alcoholic beverages for this story okay yeah
1: I, it's it's a dark this is
0: dark yeah. yeah it's sad that like it's still happening
1: it is as recently like there's some more being solved but there's been cases as recent as 2021 yeah people being dumped there it's it's ridiculous really is what it is Monica Ignace was 15 years old, walking home from school along Highway 16 in Thornhill, B.C. She was just a baby. It was December 1974. Her body was found a few kilometers from from where she went missing four months later in a wooded area. She had been strangled. Colleen McMillan was last seen hitchhiking to a friend's house in August 1974. She was 16 years old. Her remains were found a month later, 46 kilometers south from where she disappeared. Monica Jack was 12 years old, last seen riding her bike near Merritt, B.C. in May 1978. Her body wasn't found until 1995 after forestry workers found her remains in a ravine off a logging route. That's disgusting. Oh, it, it gets worse. She was also sexually assaulted and she had been strangled to death. Marine Mosey was last seen hitchhiking near Salmon Arm, B.C. on May 8th, 1981. She was 33 years old. Her body was found severely beaten at the end of a runoff lane leading to Highway 97. So to keep track, that was eight murders. Mm -hmm. Just straight up murders. And it took 12 years for the police to really like gain any sort of attention towards it. That's disgusting. Right? So in nineteen eighty-one, referred to as the highway murders, all of the cases involved women that either like were last seen or found dead near the highway and or other runoff roads in BC, the RCMP decided to hold a conference to investigate these crimes. Around forty detectives from BC and Alberta attended the conference. While they did notice similarities in the cases, such as vehicles and persons of interest, women continued to go missing or were found murdered. And I've got some more murders for you. I'm very sorry. Oh, my God. In 1983, Shelley Bascow was 16 years old when she went missing from Hinton, Alberta. Why are they always children? She was last seen May 3rd near Highway 16. Her clothes, a library book, And droplets of blood matching her blood type were found near Athabasca River, but she is still missing to this day. Athabasca? yep. Is that anywhere close to Hinton? Okay, I'm actually not too sure. I Google. Okay. Okay, I'm going to read the next victim. Okay. Her name was Alberta Williams, and she was 24 when she disappeared in August 1989. She had last been seen by her sister outside a bar when she vanished. Her body was found near Prince Rupert. She had been sexually assaulted and strangled. Delphine Nicol went missing June 14, 1990. She was 16 years old and last seen hitchhiking between Smithers and her home of Tulqua, BC.
0: Okay, sorry. Athabasca River is close to Highway 16, Mm -hmm. but like it's a hike from Hinton.
1: The fact that they were searching that far out and they were still able to, yeah, find just that items Mm -hmm. pretty much. In 1994, Ramona Wilson was 16 years old when she was last seen hitchhiking to a friend's house June 11th. Her body was found April 1995 near the Smithers Airport that's horrendous yeah the fact that it's taking so long to find the bodies if they even find them well that's like i said at the beginning that's one of the reasons why people think that this is such a prime area for serial killers more than one oh to operate
0: well the same killers i guess there is chances but it sounds like one man chooses strangulation while the other chooses blunt force trauma yeah why why after the 2000s when this started becoming not even even before that did this not become like a actually patrolled area i'm gonna be honest with you like we've driven this horrible road i think quite a few times and once you pass jasper there's not a whole lot going on Mm -hmm. there's no cops there's no rcmp there's nothing And you're just in a desolate area where your radio doesn't even work. Yeah. No, it's... It's atrocious. Why is this not like a thing that there's just constant patrol on the road?
1: So I'm going to touch on that later, but I totally agree with you. It's outrageous. It's absolutely outrageous.
0: (gasps) Or maybe it is a cop that's picking these people up.
1: You never know i mean really you never know
0: well think about it like if you're
1: hitchhiking
0: and you know you're on the highway of tears you're not gonna get in a car with some person that like looks sketchy
1: so i agree with you but also like just thinking about the area with that distrust between police and indigenous people they might not even get in the police i wouldn't i wouldn't risk that not even a chance of it
0: oh man that's horrible
1: it is. It's
0: just horrible on all sides.
1: Actually, I was watching a documentary for the case that I'm covering called Highway of Tears. Mm-hmm. And it was directed by Matt Smiley. did an awesome job. Um, Nathan Fillion actually narrated it. It was super good. You a hometown like the, boy. Right. So um, one of the women in there was like, yeah, when you're hitchhiking, you always go to the truck stops. Those guys are the most trustworthy. So I mean, like it's just a part of life for them. Like, if you don't have a vehicle, what are your options? It's hours to get from your community to the university if you're going to school, and lots of the school even know, like, oh, these people come in by hitchhiking. It's insane.
0: Like you just chose the wrong truck. I know. That's so. That's awful.
1: Right? Okay. You would think that there would be
0: some funding or something to like, especially for these little kids, like.
1: 12
0: mm-hmm.
1: why was a 12 year old hitchhiking she wasn't hitchhiking she oh was she was bike. riding a bike she was riding a bike and like her family saw her and then gone she was gone
0: that makes my skin crawl Mm-hmm. okay
1: okay so
0: i'm physically upset
1: i've got a few more to go oh my god okay. i've got a few more to go and okay. like i said this is just some of them i i think you're gonna
0: need to go into like a deeper dive on this. Oh, I as, will like, definitely a bonus be... bonus episode.
1: I will definitely be covering more to it. It's just, like I said, with the time that we have, I will <sighs> definitely be coming back to this because I am just so filled with rage over this. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, Roxanne Thiera was 15 when she vanished November 1994 from Prince George. She had been working as a prostitute and told a friend that she was meeting a client.
0: Oh, my God.
1: Her body was found near Burns Lake off Highway 16 and she had been stabbed to death. And I don't like the phrase working as a prostitute, but I, I couldn't find out like any other way to phrase it. The lady of the night. I'm yeah, she's 15. Like she's doing it to survive. So like, I I don't know how else to word it. There is no better way to word uh, that. Uh, yeah, Um. it's all bad. Mm hmm. Alicia Germain was also 15 years old when her body was discovered near an elementary school close to Highway 16 on December 9th, 1994. If
0: they ever find these people, they deserve to be strung up by their toes and just baked in the sun forever. That should be their punishment. Yeah. You starve to death with sunburn.
1: <laughs> oh, man. No, it's awful. She had been attending a Christmas party for street kids and had told a youth worker she had to leave briefly, but would come right back. And she was found hours later by some other teenagers. And she also had been stabbed to death. Lana Derrick was from Gnatau Band uh, in British Columbia. She was 19 years old when she was last seen. So in this one, the reports do differ. Some people say that oh she was seen by a gas station, but her family is pretty sure that's not true. They think the last person to see her was her friend while she was at her house, but she's never been seen again. And that was October 7th, 1995. In 2002, Nicole Hoare was from Red Deer, Alberta, and she was working as a tree planter in prince george at 25 years old she was last seen hitchhiking west towards smithers on june 21st and she was super close with her family she called them all the time but that was two years ago 2002 2002 was not two years ago oh (laughs) so It feels like it was, but it was Sorry, wasn't. I thought you said
0: nineteen ninety five. No. Or she was born in nineteen I don't know.
1: No, no, she was twenty three or four years old in two thousand two.
0: I'm just frazzled at this whole story.
1: I don't Okay. Yeah, no, it's awful. It's only I've only got a couple more. Tamara Chipman was a mother and she was 25 years old when she went missing September 21st 2005 she was last seen hitchhiking by a friend of her father's and this one's really really sad because like her parents had split up and they lived in different towns and And she was
0: hitchhiking to one of the parents
1: well not, not like I don't know exactly where she was hitchhiking to but because her father was a fisherman, they didn't talk for months at a time. So he thought that she was with her mother. She thought that he was with, she was with her father and she was gone. Missing. She was missing. So she wasn't reported missing for months until months after anybody noticed. And did they ever find her? No, no, she was not ever found. Oh. Yeah. So the last one in 2006, Aliyah sarik Oge was 14 years old and she was a student, last seen by her family on February 2nd. Her body was found February 10th in a ditch along Highway 16, approximately 15 kilometers east from Prince George. So, due to the common nature between three of the victims, Alicia Germain, Ramona Wilson, and Roxanne Fiera, BC's RCMP unsolved homicide unit created a special project. It's called the EPANA project. Fall of two thousand six, EPANA came up with the criteria needed for the missing women to be included in their investigation. I'm sorry. There's a criteria. Oh, there sure there sure is. For you
0: to be deemed a victim of the Highway of Tears.
1: Well. Not to be a victim of the Highway of Tears, but for the EPANA project to investigate your disappearance or murder. The fuck is that? Okay. Mm, yep. So the criteria were they were either involved in high-risk behavior, such as hitchhiking or prostitution. Okay. They were either last seen or their bodies were discovered within one mile of Highway 16. Okay. Okay. And number three, they were women. So those are the three. Those are the three things you needed to be investigated with the PANA. Okay. But I feel like there's so many variables. Well, their original list only identified nine victims. And all of but one of them was indigenous. Just throwing that out there. After increasing the geographical area under investigation from 724 kilometers to 1,500 kilometers, and then RCMP also used a software program called ViClass, which stands for Violent Crime Linkage Analysis System. It doubled the victims to the EPANA going from the original 9 to the 18 that I just covered. Like Those are all of the victims being investigated with EPANA. So, there's so many more. So many more, and there hasn't been any victims added to EPANA since 2007. 2007. Yeah, there hasn't been... Alicia uh, Sarik... Sorry, Aliya Sarik-Oje was the last person added to the investigation for EPANA in 2006.
0: But the last body found... the last murder victim was last year
1: yep yep okay so enough was enough on march 30th 2006 the families and communities of all the missing and murdered women organized an awareness walk from prince rupert to prince george
0: good for them
1: yeah as the walk ended it signaled the start to a 2006 highway of tears symposium with over 500 people in attendance this included community leaders, victims' families, RCMP, and members in various government positions. They addressed the changes that needed to happen to keep the vulnerable members of the community safe. No kidding. Yeah. So the Good for them. Ch- yeah. No, it's, it's awesome like, that the communities were able to come together and like, really address this on such a large scale. Because individually, they weren't getting anywhere.
0: No, but but like like their women and children were at risk. Like something had to give and apparently the RCMP was doing sweet fuck all. Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) So some changes included victim prevention, emergency planning and team response, victim family counseling and support, and then community development and support. That's amazing. Mm hmm. So some things that would be hugely beneficial to the community would be improving public transportation along Highway 16,
0: mm-hmm.
1: increasing access to phones or having cell reception, and increasing police patrol. Just to name a few of the 33 suggestions. Like they came up with a book. They're like, these 33 things would greatly improve our communities and the safety of our vulnerable members. Concerning that it is
0: blatantly obvious that there's
1: at least three serial killers Mm -hmm. here Mm -hmm. okay so unfortunately at the time the budget wasn't there to improve the safety of of these communities yeah i know that i'm covering cold cases but for the epana group there was some cases that were resolved in 2012 epana ran dna on found on colleen mcmillan and there was a match yeah. A transient American known as Bobby Jack Fowler was charged with multiple counts of sexual assault, attempted murder, and firearm offenses, just to name a few. But was he charged with her murder? They found his DNA on her body. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, unfortunately, Fowler died in the Oregon State Penitentiary.
0: Was it for killing children?
1: <laughs> no, just on like different charges, oh, yeah, so, but he died May of two thousand and six, six years before he would be tied to Colleen's murder, although not confirmed, Fowler is also thought by some to be responsible for the deaths of Gail Ways and Pamela Darlington okay, yeah, so another conclusion came for one of the murdered girls' families in two thousand nineteen gary hanlon confessed to the murder of monica jack and another girl but like not a part of the highway of tears her she was a 11 year old girl named kathleen mary herbert
0: why the children
1: oh no the confession was taken by police during a quote mr big sting unquote it's a tactic used by RCMP to obtain confessions by convincing criminals that they are talking to a crime boss. which I thought was a very <laughs> interesting way to get a confession. Okay. <laughs> um, Hanlon is currently serving a life sentence for Monica's murder. Good. Yeah.
0: Like, not good. Because, like, she did not deserve to die, but at least they found him.
1: So while Li Pana does have crossover into the Highway of Tears, these are not all the victims like we've addressed. There are still many missing or murdered women who have last been seen along this highway. Some of these women do have justice. Like, some of the, like not every case there is a cold case, but way too many of them are. Way too many of them. No kidding. So this one kind of made me rage a little bit. While the RCMP website for Project Pana said that there is no such thing as a cold case. The last update on their site was 2016.
0: They're a cold case.
1: Also, a 2014 Freedom of Information request stated that the task force had dropped from 70 officers to 12 officers in 2010. Oh, budget cuts, hey? Mm Mm-hmm. Huge budget cuts.
0: So i think my next question here is there any first nation voices on that task force
1: i'm not entirely sure i know that there's also private investigators that have been hired or like that have volunteered their time to work on these cases Mm -hmm. but i do not know about the indigenous um working right like right in the task force i know that they've they've done all their interviews and stuff with the communities but i don't know about that okay okay so it seems that the only way to get the many cases of these murdered and missing women investigated is by constant pressure of the families and communities even now so that said there has been some improvements to the safety of on the highway of tears in recent years in may of 2021 the government of Canada, along with the B.C. government and Rogers Communications, has committed to putting 12 cell phone towers along the highway. Okay. Yeah, so that's something I don't... They're not, they didn't have a projection for when that will be completed, but it's a start.
0: That's really good, because speaking firsthand, when you go an hour on some desolate road in the middle of nowhere with no cell phone, no radio, no nothing... It is scary. Mm -hmm. And like eventually you're just like, hey, I need a bar. (laughs) I need a bar. (laughs) Somebody give me some cellular reception, please. I'm going to die out here.
1: Yes, absolutely. In 2016, both the provincial and federal government collaborated to create a bus service along Highway 16, And um, it also extend. The governments also extended the funding for this bus service after the Greyhound closed down its service in two thousand eighteen. Okay. It only extended it for another year. And the article I found was from twenty twenty. So I don't know if that's continuing. If there's still funding being allocated for the bus service, I sincerely hope there is.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Also, the. Government of Canada has delivered on its promise to have an inquiry on missing and murdered Indigenous women in Canada. So from 2016 to 2018, the Government of Canada did an in-depth study on the issues the communities have faced and have allocated funds for health and support of services to victims' families. They support a national oversight to the RCMP, and they support a review of the police policies and practices and they are aiming to commemorate the lives and legacies of the indigenous women so that was from 2018 and then when did the we start um with the children with the residential children graves 2021 yes so the government still has a very very long way to go yeah yeah but i think there's
0: now some accountability for these r c m p yes. that are investigating these missing women and missing children
1: mm-hmm. that
0: it's not just you know your local authorities. you actually have to show that you are putting an effort. yes, and I hope that it gets better
1: I hope so too. I truly do like these families deserve some closure.
0: Absolutely.
1: And people should be able to go from community to community without feeling like it's a risk every single time. You should
0: be able to ride your damn bike in front of your parents. Right?
1: Absolutely, you should. Terrendous. Okay. So while this is a start, a vast majority of cases that have taken place along the highway remain unsolved. And this quote really hurts, but it has been quoted by an RCMP staff member of EPANA, that I've been honest with our victims' families, and I say perhaps they'll never be solved. It was also in that documentary I told you about. Mm -hmm. So it was a 2015 documentary named Highway of Tears that they report that the Wilson family has been told that they have stopped investigating Ramona Wilson's death due to a lack of leads. So from going from there's no such thing as a cold case to saying that they've stopped investigating... I just I have a really hard time with that, and like when I read that, it just made me so angry. Uh,
0: yeah, you have a missing person. Yeah, they deserve
1: to have their story told. They deserve to have those, like they they deserve an ending, like a finale, like they deserve closure. Oh. 100 percent
0: i really wish that like you know canada would set aside enough money to maybe send in search teams into the forest Mm -hmm. you know go in and look more than what 10 kilometers off the road Mm -hmm.
1: well and it's not in my notes but it's really like it blew my mind but when one of the girls, when Nicole Hoare went missing, she was a Caucasian female. And it was her parents that had the funding that like privately paid for billboards that were like trying to get the world out there. And that's what got the news on this situation when this has been going on for decades prior that these indigenous women were going missing. That's
0: heartbreaking.
1: It, it's heartbreaking. It's absolutely heartbreaking. No. It makes me so mad. The RCMP are still taking tips regarding the Highway of Tears cases. So if anybody knows anything, the number to call is one 543 4822 And if you do know something, please give it a call. Those families deserve it. The women that went missing deserve it as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I just, I have a quick question though is there any men that go missing there are men that go well there's men that go missing there's also men whose bodies have been dumped along the highway as well and from like the quick glance that i did it seemed like some of those were solved but it's it's mostly women or girls that go missing from what i've seen okay yeah because like
0: I would be interested to see those numbers of how many people just straight up go missing off of that road.
1: hmm No, no, it's, I, I'm really glad that I finally looked into it because like I had, I had heard about it for years, but I did not know the gravity of the situation.
0: Yeah, I'd be super interested to hear more about it. Yeah. We might need to, you know, have a lot more wine on hand (laughs) because this is very deep. Yeah. But that's crazy. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. That was quite the story, Elise. (sighs) It was very dark. So I have another story for you. Uh, (laughs) My C is for Cameron Park of Waco, Texas. Ooh. I've
1: never heard of this.
0: I actually didn't either until I was looking for a C and... There was quite a few that I could have picked from, but this one seemed like a good one. Okay, I'm excited. Yeah. So, I couldn't find a whole lot of background on it because it is a public park. Okay. But Cameron Park is an urban park located in Waco, Texas. It sits on 416 acres of land and was thought to be germinated in the late 1800s early 1900s when the land was abandoned and the trees shrubs and wildlife started to sprout creating the park.
1: Ooh. Mm-hmm.
0: The park was dedicated on May 27th of 1910 and named in memory of Waco philanthropist and lumber baron William Cameron.
1: Oh, to be a lumber baron in the 19 like in 1910.
0: You'd be loaded. Oh
1: my god, that's the life.
0: Yeah. He, his wife probably just lived her best life. Yeah,
1: she wanted for nothing.
0: Yeah. With the old twisting trees, occasional mist, smell of decay, and nocturnal mischief, Cameron Park is an eerie location. There are quite a few stories that have been passed down through the generations of the park's users about the century-old parkland. It is no wonder that this park is eerie, especially during the witching hour.
1: Ooh.
0: So our first story is called lindsey hollow okay one of the oldest cameron park legend on file at the texas collections is the story of lindsey hollow road one story goes at the end of the civil war local ranchers captured two cattle thieves the lindsey brothers by chasing them through what is now known as lindsey hollow both brothers were slain by the vigilantes afraid of the repercussions if the town folk were to find out about their execution the vigilantes buried the cattle thieves on site this story doesn't outline exactly how they met their demise but the unsettled spirits are said to haunt the area
1: Ooh, i hate that like you've already tried to steal some cattle just be at peace like, move on. Just move on.
0: You lost the battle.
1: Yeah, just give it up.
0: <sighs> yeah. The second story goes in the late 1800s, a couple of men stole some horses. Okay, they- so cows and then horses. Is this just a thief park? It, it's the same two guys. Oh. It's just two different versions of the story. I see. That makes more sense. Yeah. They but- were captured and hanged from a tree on Lindsay Hollow Road in Cameron Park there are accounts of people who drive along or walk along lindsay hollow and see their bodies hanging from the trees
1: oh jeez. oh i don't like that i really don't like that especially like in a misty forest park hard area pass. Mm-mm.
0: hard pass Mm-mm. Mm-mm. yeah <laughs> <laughs> i i couldn't imagine but again if i was that ghost and I was salty about being hanged, I would do the same thing.
1: Well, and, like, I guess it depends on the type of ghost, right? Like, there's, like, the residual hauntings and just, like, the spooky ooky hauntings. Like, the the ghosts that are sentient Yeah. that know what they're doing. So maybe it's just, like, a residual <laughs> one. Maybe he's like, I was hanged, and I will always hang. Maybe.
0: I'd like to think that I would be the spiteful. Oh, <laughs> you would. <laughs> life goals i love it (laughs) end of life goals. (laughs) i love that (laughs) okay so our next story is the witch's castle
1: oh i okay i i really want
0: a witch's castle same i would love that same so like i would just be the ghost hanging from trees in my witch's castle like i would love to just live here yes as a ghosty toasty
1: oh you know, what? even as a human, probably, I would be okay with living in my own... Ca- well, okay, you made a face. Uh-oh. I think I'd want to be dead first. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's hear it before I say too much.
0: So the witch's castle, there are several versions of the witch at the black heart of the story. Uh-oh. In some stories, she's merely a reclusive old woman who tended to rely on home remedies or natural potions for curing illness nice okay that like like you like in me. the woods yes okay yeah. yeah no matter the story the remnants of the castle are enough to give anyone the chills marked by the decrepit remnants of a stone archway and the remains of a house
1: the area is said to reek of decaying flesh screams gasps and banging
0: noises
1: okay you almost had me until the smell of rotting flesh then you lost me oof yeah no longer my ideal property oh
0: hard no gotta keep looking (laughs) so some more wild versions of this story yes the first one one telling the witch she's a half first nation mother who lost her only son to the cannons of world war one and went insane park visitors claim to hear mad chanting and screams in the area of the ruins of an old stone structure
1: oh my god
0: second version The darkest version of the story casts the witch as a Satan worshipper who sacrificed her own children to the devil before joining them in hell.
1: That seems a little dramatic. A little. little dramatic.
0: Mm -hmm. (sighs) Third version takes place in the late 1800s or early 1900s. A woman people suspected of witchcraft lived in the woods of Cameron Park. People went missing in the woods. Residents of Waco believed the woman was the cause of the disappearances they formed a mob and burned the woman's house down while she was still inside oh her spirit is said to roam the woods looking for more souls to steal okay
1: but do you blame her because i don't you burned my house with me in it again
0: i'd be a vengeful spirit
1: (laughs) yes but we all knew that
0: (laughs) fourth version involves a woman and a boy The boy would invite his little friends over to his house and every time the boy's friend would go missing supposedly the boy was murdering his friends and hiding the bodies in cameron park people took notice but blamed the woman who they suspected was a witch a mob burned her house down but the boy was never found
1: okay that seems a little typical like boy doing it mom takes the fall blame them blame the woman yet the woman's the witch
0: didn't you know men can't be witches elise no it's always the woman
1: no apparently she's
0: (sighs) yeah so the final version focuses on a woman quote unquote witch (laughs) wandering the woods and in some cases chasing after a person in the woods of cameron park the story goes the cameron park witch was actually a victorian nanny to the cameron children before the park was dedicated the cameron family owned it but while they owned it Vagrants would camp on the property. When the Cameron children would play in the forest, the nanny would go along with them, and if they encountered a vagrant trespassing, the nanny would chase off the intruders of the land. To shoo them away, she would use a switch. (laughs) Again. (laughs) Woman after my own heart. (laughs) Legend is she was probably called the witch while she was still living she fell sick and died quickly legend says the bums and vagrants still see her ghost walking through the park chasing after them
1: okay but like just get out of her park like it's that okay one time that's all it would take is one time me being chased by a woman like a ghost with a switch and i would never stay another night in that park again right she'd fetch a switch
0: In some cases, she would look frantic like she lost the children and she would attack the person thinking they had kidnapped them. Oh, (laughs) yeah. You wouldn't stay there twice. No. In the winter, she would be carrying a lantern, crying out for them, and whenever she came across you, she would beat you with a switch or knock you senseless. Oh, my. So, I have an actual account (gasps) from someone. I'm so excited. So, Stephen... O'Burney of waco his account of the witch's castle the first time oberney went to the witch's castle was during his sophomore year at baylor you go through the gates you can't drive your car because the gate is actually closed but you can walk through it eventually you'll go down there and you'll see some ruins there is no actual house he said you'll see the walls and you walk around you'll see these areas that actually still have crumbling walls in place. On his first trip, he and his friends encountered something unusual around the witching hour. We went there around 2.30 a.m. We were just running around the trails, just kind of looking around, he said. It was a pretty still night, and suddenly the wind picked up out of nowhere. It started blowing hard, and someone asked what time it was. I flipped open my phone, and it was 3 a.m. exactly. He and his friends quickly left the area. We didn't see any witches, nothing out of the ordinary, he said. It's just kind of a spooky place.
1: Okay. I love the aesthetic, though, of the crumbly building with, like, the wind and the leaves and the, just the eerie. I just, I love that thought, especially at the witching hour. I can definitely understand why he would be creeped out because I would be losing my shit, but. Right? I will also kind of love it i
0: would totally do that kind of love it yeah totally okay we got two more stories yeah so we got the lover's leap oh no like oh no (laughs) yeah a limestone rock formation called lover's leap overlooks the bosque river and is the stage upon which one of the greatest melodramas of waco's history is cast two similar stories come from this tale mm-hmm. first tale the story goes that two young native americans from enemy tribes fell in love they found themselves cornered by vengeful tribesmen and kinfolk on the limestone cliffs rather than live without each other they embraced in a death pact and jumped to their death legend has it the pair can be glimpsed off the cliff when the bosque river is running above its banks and their romantic murmuring in the rush of its water oh yeah so sad the second tale lover's leap story in 1912 the original can be found as part of the texas collection in this version of the tale wawa t the daughter of the chief of the wacos fell in love with an apache man As the Apaches are threatening an attack on Wawa T, she goes to meet her lover, but a member of her tribe followed her. Wawa T's spy tells her father about the rendezvous. Her father and brother goes to kill the Apache man, but before they could kill him, the Apache and Wawa T embrace and jump off the cliff. The cliff is now known as the Lover's Leap. When the moon and river is full, the figures of the two can be seen on the cliff.
1: Aw, either way, I knew Lover's Loop would be sad. Either way. But at least they're still together. I mean, I guess, but still. Very sad. Very sad.
0: Oh, I was wrong. Now there's two more stories. Yay! The Motorcycle Tar Pits. Okay. This more modern legend originated less than 40 years ago. The motorcycle tar pits trailed downhill from Lover's Leap and were a popular area for jumping motorcycles in the 1970s. The origin of one ghost story is that a young man was killed riding his bike at the pits. His bereaved mother came every day to the site to mourn her son's death. Even after her own death decades later, she continued to visit. People report hearing racing engines and a woman weeping. Some also say they see orbs moving through the trees near the cursed spot
1: oh those orbs are kind of freaky especially like if there's no like film photography going on or like, it's outside in the woods that's especially creepy right oh but i feel bad for the mother weeping like it's sad it is oh
0: this one will give you a giggle yay jacob's ladder Jacob's Ladder, one of the park's greatest attractions, is an extremely steep set of steps climbing nearly 100 feet to the top of a cliff. Supposedly built more than a century ago by a family living at the top of the cliff, the aged structure is still usable because of its periodic renovations. Like, that family knew what was up.
1: Yeah, especially, you know, carving that stone.
0: Oh no, it's wood steps.
1: They just still. didn't want
0: to have to go downhill.
1: Fair 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 enough yeah. i'd rather
0: climb a thousand steps than try and like climb up a steep hill with trees in the way Just
1: roll down the hill at that point yep yeah you'll,
0: you'll see the photos oh it's, i'm excited um, to see them yeah so the ghost activity dates to the 1980s according to the stories if a couple climbs the ladder after dark it is said they will sometimes feel invisible hands pulling at their clothes.
1: Ew. The woman
0: is usually the first to feel tugs of the grabbing ghost.
1: Of course. Of course they are. Jeez. <laughs> oh god, that's so disgusting. That is just so what is with you as stories about stuff being yanked or pulled or grabbed? Oh, oh. Do your ghost thing, just stop touching me or my possessions. <laughs>
0: those are some of the best ghost stories though i
1: mean i love hearing them but i would die i would just die on the spot if i experienced that
0: yeah Uh, yeah so some of my references i did use was the wacotribe.com baylor lariat.com and of course the good old wikipedia
1: love a good old wikipedia
0: what uh what a roller coaster tonight
1: it was uh yeah
0: it was quite the roller coaster sorry you can hear my dog in the background
1: (laughs) yeah no so I'm really glad you were able to uh, lighten it up at the end there because I really needed that after my case oh
0: for sure the grabbing ghost
1: yeah well not that but you know (laughs) I I enjoyed some of it
0: (laughs) well thanks for listening everyone
1: Yes, thank you so much. You'll have to check us out next week to hear these stories. And I also want to mention before we end the show, I know that we've got our like little spiel at the end where you can find us on Instagram and everything like that. But if you don't mind, if you do enjoy the show, would you please rate and review it? Because that'll just help us get some more boosts on the uh, different like Apple podcast ratings. It'll get our name out there a little bit more. And... If you enjoy it, we'd love to hear your feedback.
0: For sure. Some five star reviews are always loved.
1: Very much so. Okay. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Thanks for
0: tuning in to C is for Creepy. We put out weekly episodes every Tuesday
1: going through the creepy alphabet. Check out our website at slash C is for Creepy. Or on Facebook at c is for creepy podcast or on instagram at c for creepy podcast if you have any questions concerns or suggestions please email us at c for creepy at gmail.com artwork done by alexis Daly. check out her work at
0: lexxa underscore artwork on instagram see you next week bye